0: Hello everybody, welcome to the second part of the Dwango AC um, interview. Uh, if you didn't listen to the episode last week, I highly recommend to do so, because that's the first part of this two-part episode. Uh, a lot of information got already shared there, and some of the information you will listen to in this episode you might not understand if you didn't listen to the previous one. So do yourself a favor and check it out. Now I just have to say, have fun with the episode. So under the same concept, the... Um, was it last year or this year, the Mario Brothers one with a portal gun? Was it also a TAS bot thing?
1: Yeah, in a sense. So that okay. one blurs the lines a little bit. Okay, um, in that ahead. case, what we did is we used this display board right here. So this is another one of the same display boards. This one is a Super Nintendo controller. has 16 buttons on it, which is kind of handy. Well, uh, we have 16 buttons, even though the original controller only had uh, had 12. But <laughs> um, we, we've exposed the extra four here. The controller always had the ability to send those, it just didn't use them. Um, so we used TaskBot in a different sense in that case. LibTas is a wrapper around games that run in the Linux operating system that are written in the SDL framework. And a lot of games that are, u- that are used inside of Linux are ported in that way, where they use SDL, this, this framework. For those types of games, we're able to hook into them and add tool-assisted speedrun tools to them. Celeste, for instance... Another game that you just mentioned was Mari Zero. And Mari Zero was this crazy game where they took the Super Mario Brothers 1 game and gave Mario a portal gun. <laughs> and we took this this ROM hack, if you will, or this... I, that's not really a wrong, right word. It's not really a ROM hack because it was a complete re-implementation of the game. Um, homage? <laughs> Fan-made mashup might be another way of phrasing yeah. it. Homebrew?
0: <laughs> Homebrew.
1: Uh Indie game might be maybe another way of phrasing it. The only thing that blurred the lines there is it did use art assets from each game, especially heavily relying on art assets from Super Mario Brothers. So there is a little bit of blurring of the lines there a bit. It sampled pretty heavily. But it also did a good job of recreating the feel of Super Mario Brothers' 1 jumping mechanics with the ability to move a portal gun around. Um, so while you were playing, you also had the ability to uh, to use a mouse to to move a portal wherever you wanted and jump through it. It was a very, very cool mechanic, and Libtask was used to uh, to create a tool assisted speedrun that completed the game and really impressed people it was just It was, a, it was really kind of a, of a cool little um, demo, but I would also point out that it was already running on its native console, so if you think about it this way, I have an actual Nintendo here I am playing these games on a real console literally connected to a professional video monitor here but in reality what what do you do if it's already on a PC if it's already if the native platform is linux operating system running on a PC how do you console verify that how do you run the game back in the original environment well it's already running on linux so what we did instead is we hooked up this visualization board that I showed you and mm-hmm. we Connected to Aspot so that he could show what buttons were being pressed and be in lockstep while playing back the original movie on the original hardware that it was made for. It's a little bit different. It's a, on a spectrum, you might say. A, it, it, it's not as extreme as what we're doing here, where we're playing back on hardware made in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, I still consider it legitimate, though.
0: Yeah. I, I always wondered, like, why the set... Like, because always, when Taskbot is showcased on GDQ, the, the setup obviously takes, like, a lot longer than on any other game, and I was always wondering what's going on. And by just you telling me that it's, like, that complex, then I have huge respect that you actually get it out so quickly.
1: Like, <laughs> Sometimes we're amazed that we get it to work at all.
0: Yeah, um, that's, like, I can totally understand that.
1: <laughs> we, I would say in recent years, we're, we've done much better. Uh, we had some mm-hmm. setup times that were way too long way too long i think 2017 was agdq 2017 despite the absurdity of it we had rehearsed how to get everything on on the screen as fast as we possibly could and our transition times were actually relatively quick considering the complexity of what we did if you don't know what i'm talking about go watch agdq 2017 the task block for that is the most complex thing we've ever done and it is my goal to expose it to more people because a lot of people have never even heard it or seen it. Uh, it for whatever reason, the video was not tagged much. Uh, a lot of people didn't know what we had done. Um, it's just how it worked out. So w- it's one of the more insane things that we did. It involved connecting a Nintendo, a different Nintendo, and a Super Nintendo, and doing something with all three of them at the same time.
0: Uh, God, I-, I don't know if I remember that, run. Like I personally try to watch every Taz bot uh, block on on a GDQ because they are my personal highlight uh, every year, basically. But I I really can't remember which which one was that. So it's I think, okay. I think I will check it out after after this recording. But so uh, so this
1: was the long elongated spoiler alert. <laughs> now that we've said that spoiler alert, go watch it. I'm going to spoil it for you. So, in AGDQ 2017, we started playing the game Super Mario Bros. 3, just like this, and within about 10 seconds, we were, start- we were already rearranging Koopa shells all over the f- screen of the first level, and within 30 seconds, we'd taken over the entire game, and played a demo scene-like level that showed wonderful scrolling text, and effects that are not normally used, and all kinds of cool stuff. It was pretty amazing. Then we played uh, Mega Man, and in the first Mega Man, we went to the Glitch Man stage, I think it was, I think it was Glitch... Not no Glitch Man. what was the name. <laughs> I can't remember all the characters. <laughs> no, um,
0: I don't remember a Mega you, Man character called Glitchman.
1: <laughs> no, it's not Glitchman. Uh <laughs> Gutsman? Um, like yeah, the one uh, who's, uh, anyway. who's
0: rocks. I haven't no, played that much Mega doing? Man.
1: Yeah, I know. I remember. yeah. Uh that was so short, it didn't last very long. We 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 maybe played the game for less than forty seconds and then it was all over. We'd okay. taken over the whole game by using a beam glitch that allowed us to take over the, the, <laughs> take over the control of the console. Mm-hmm. And then we showed TaskBot OS, and it was this whole um, <laughs> fake-looking operating system that was pretty cool. Uh, and we did a flying floppy disks uh, reference to flying toasters uh, that was pretty fun. Interestingly, there's actually someone named ViGratech uh, Vi who's actually working on an operating system for the original Nintendo and trying to make something functional out of it. It's kind of silly, but... So this was more of a show. It was, it was a desktop, it had a start menu on it, but it didn't actually do anything.
0: Uh, uh, I, th- so, I think I slowly started to remember what, what this was all about.
1: Yeah. Then we set that aside and we started playing a Super, uh, Super Nintendo game that you might be familiar with, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. And it wouldn't be a Legend of Zelda Link to the Past game if we didn't do something dumb with a bottle. So <laughs> we immediately get straight into Kakariko Village while it's still raining, mind you get enough rupees from various sources to buy a bottle of uh, a potion and get a bottle, get a potion. And then we walk straight into the sanctuary and drink the potion the same frame we walk in through the doors and trigger a glitch, at which, case, at which, at which point the screen suddenly transitions to saying Super N64 on it. <coughs> and at that exact moment, everything got very, very weird because within 20 or 30 seconds... We were demonstrating playing back the game, Super Mario 64, on a Super Nintendo and two Nintendos.
0: Uh, so combining basically all the hardware to make it run an SM64 without like any bigger flaws.
1: Yeah, so we used one Nintendo... Because the, Nintendo console, the original NES is a mono console, it doesn't have stereo audio. Yeah. So we used one Nintendo for the left channel, one Nintendo for the right channel... <laughs> So it was like, Super Super Mario Bros. 3 was the left channel, uh, Mega Man was the right channel. Then we used the Super Nintendo for video, and we were just sending so much data through the controller ports that we were pushing actual live video frames onto the screen at only 256 colors, because that's all the Super Nintendo could handle. Mm. And uh, we made the mistake of not telling anyone what we had done. We just started providing commentary for Super Mario 64. (laughs) And the audience was very confused.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can... (laughs) I think the audience is like nearly always very confused with, with what Taskbot <laughs> is doing, but they are also amazed at the same time. Uh,
1: so back to the original question. Yeah, some of our setup times were kind of long for really good reasons. Yeah. But in recent years, <laughs> we've done a pretty good job. We've actually had the shortest st- setup times of most of their stuff because we're prepared. Uh, we, we know what we're doing now. We know what we have to have on stage. I've had backup cables on stage, uh, things like that. I'm ready. And, and that shows we've also had more practice than anyone else. If you go to the GDQ VODs page and you sort by runner, you'll find a, <laughs> a rather conspicuous name at the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've done more runs than anyone else, and we have a bit of practice at it.
0: Mm. That's, yeah, I, I l- always love GDQ test bot blocks. They're, like, one of the coolest things. I, I always try to catch them, even though, because I'm European, they kind of run at weird times sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I w-
1: hey, I did come to European Spinrunner Assembly, at least.
0: <laughs> so you showcase also something there at ESA?
1: Yes, I was at ESA last year. We showed Dr. Mario, which actually was a cartridge I pulled out over here a little mm-hmm. bit ago. We also did a couple of other games, including SteamWorld Dig 2, which I think is a wonderfully underrated uh, platform game that's just fantastic and was, uh- was playable in Linux, so that was a good game there.
0: I only played the first part of those games, but I really liked it, too um so before we before we go any more off topic because i can already already see you trying to go off topic there a little bit uh i want to ask one final thing because i had the original idea of reaching out to you and having this interview with you i got from another talk basically where i talked with friends on another podcast about speed running and we came up with the question about tassing like what is tassing and uh one of my the people i was talking with came up with like what holds the future of Tassing? Because he was thinking Tassing is like a programmed AI that's scanning the screen and then reacts appropriately. So, what can we expect in the future of TASS and what eventually will become a thing, and like how many years it ever takes? And I know it's like probably a difficult question to answer.
1: It's, it's not too difficult of a question, but it is multifaceted. Okay. So, on the one hand, we've gotten to a point we've made it to a point where most of the core games people remember are, first of all, taskable, and second of all, have been tasked to the point that it's really hard to find improvements. That doesn't mean it's impossible. Just a couple of weeks ago, there was a new improvement to the Warps version of Super Mario World that shaved a good two and a half seconds off the time. That might not seem like much, but there have been tool-assisted speedruns that have been obsoleted. In other words, a newer run has come out that is faster than anything that that has been prior to it, that have only been able to save one frame <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's and sometimes frame wars are pretty funny um but a lot of the older games that are well well oiled well played well well tested we're not likely to see improvements in i would be really surprised if we find more than a frame or two of improvements ever in super mario brothers one unless someone finds a glitch that is not just been completely overlooked by everyone Hmm. it's not going to happen, in part because we've disassembled the ROM, we've looked through the game's construction code, we know how the 21 frame, 21 frame rule works. Okay, you're at a bus stop, and uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's always ways that you might have missed something, but with Super Mario Brothers 1, has had so many pe- people look at it, so many eyeballs on it, and it's in reality a pretty simple game, that it's not likely that we're going to find much improvement there. There's still a back catalog of less popular games that maybe they have to assist speed runs, but they aren't very good, and so someone will come along and, and prove it. In some cases, they're just really old and made with antiquated emulators that weren't very accurate, and in some cases, it's possible for a new run, which actually takes longer than an old run to be submitted and accepted because it's more accurate. So mm. that happens. But let's talk a little bit more about moving away from the old consoles that are well-trod and well-understood ground and talk about what else it lies in the future. As we talked about earlier, there's the Dolphin Emulator, which adds Wii support, and that's a pretty big field. But, it also ramps up the complexity of the game. So yeah. the nature of tool-assisted speedruns is changing. If you want to make a real proper task of a game like Breath of the Wild... I'm sorry, not, well, not well, Breath of the Wild we'll get to in a bit. That's, that's another story. If you wanted to make a tool-assisted speedrun of Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, a, a GameCube and Wii game that is emulatable and works. There is not yet a really solid published task of that. In fact, I don't think there is a, sub- a polished task of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are plenty of works in progress, but it is such a huge game that it is a monumental effort to make a tool assisted speedrun of the quality that the community expects. It doesn't mean that it will never happen, it just means that it is so much harder. Dolphin is getting better every day. There are examples of of past cases where a runner would get started on a task and would get demoralized because of desyncs. A good example of this is a well-known well uh, tool-assisted speedrun that was never actually published because it, well, it desynced, even, even for the original author. The original author was unable to play back their run of, uh, <laughs> of Metroid Prime. Okay. It's a wonderful task of Metroid Prime, but even the original author could not get it to sync in a single setting. He had to video segment the run which is a big no-no. <laughs> we, it, it just, you just don't do that. So <clears throat> we would love to see this get published at some point. We'd love to see a tool-assisted speedrun that is, is functional from beginning beginning to end. But that will require continuous improvements to Dolphin for emulator-level emulator accuracy and effort from the tool-assisted speedrun community to perform these tool-assisted speedrun um, efforts. And it's going to be team efforts at this point. It, the idea of single-handedly doing just the entirety of Wind Waker, for instance. That's a lot to take on. And mm. it, it's not to say that it won't happen. It's just it'll take a lot of time. To have, If you were a single person doing it all on your own, it would take a long time to do Wind Waker all on your own. So you're going to see that tool-assisted speedrun content has to be made by teams, almost, to make them practical. The effort is just too high otherwise. And sometimes that's not possible. Some games are not sync-reliable. In other words they don't reliably allow you to, quote-unquote, hex in movement. In other words, you can't have one person working on this level and another person working on this level. Mm-hmm. You have to do it linearly, and it makes it really difficult to, to do something in a team-based uh, setup. So I would say that the biggest thing that is making it interesting right now is the difficulty of doing modern 3D-level games. Celeste was, of course, a 2D game in a modern platform. And as a result, it was easier to do a tool-assisted speedrun that does not mean that it was easy. It was simply yeah. easier.
0: I can totally see. like, ta- Tassing Celeste is still like, ridiculous.
1: Yeah. One of the best examples we have of a modern-day-ish modern game game uh, was when we showed Mario Kart Wii being played back. And mm. that was possible because individual levels could be contributed to by a large team of people. So a huge number, I think it's 20 different people, contributed, and Melio, Melio was the main organizer of that content. And that showing was really solid, but that was a game that lent itself well to parallelism. A lot of other tool-assisted speedruns are just too linear to pull that off.
0: So, in your opinion, like the next big step in testing is make it possible to to work on it a, 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 a at as a team, um, more like well, just just more. That. What
1: I'm saying is. We're still going to see people going back to the classics and going back Mm -hmm. and making tool-assisted speedruns of games that haven't seen one before, especially with the advent of better tools for things like Game Boy Advance games. But what I think we're also going to see is that the frequency of tool-assisted speedrun releases will drop, but the magnitude of them will increase. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal if someone comes out with a, a Twilight Princess or a Skyward Sword task that they spent three years working on. That is a huge amount of effort, and it's probably going to look really impressive.
0: It, it's nearly like a movie. At the, at, like, it, literally, it literally is like a movie. Like a movie studio is recording a movie for several years to make it a big banger. And I think a task video is also going to be a big banger for the community, but it takes like several yeah. years.
1: Yeah, the amount of effort that goes in is just outstandingly huge. And then there's the other aspect, which is I've talked a lot about the task side. The tool-assisted speedrun side when, when you get away from the emulator and get to real console work where we use replay devices is a whole other Vista. And what I mean by that is we have reliable tools on the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, but there are still things that give us trouble. And on the Super Nintendo, the thing that gives us trouble is the fact that there are multiple clocks. So I'm going to very carefully, very carefully, show you a console that i've opened up here this is a super nintendo that has had its case removed and what i'm going to show you here very carefully if i can manage it is the ins- innards of a console this is a one chip super nintendo that i've added a debug wire to um, underneath this metal plate is a cpu um, it's a there's a chip somewhat like this one here let me mm-hmm. get this place to the camera so underneath this metal plate is the main cpu Right here, this little chip here is the audio processing unit, the APU. So there's a central processing unit in here and an audio processing unit chip right here, right here on this board. Um, Other Nintendo types actually separated out the the daughter board like this. I will show you what I mean. So this is an older console. This one has a... All of it exposed. So your CPU is over, let's see, main CPU is going to be right there. Here's the main CPU clock, this can right here. Um, this whole thing right here, this whole board right here is the audio daughter, daughter board. And the reason I'm spending so much time talking to you about this, this is a completely separate audio processing unit. You can see that they took all of these components later in life, in the in the course of the Super Nintendo, and they, they condensed it down to a single chip. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but this is the audio processing unit. It is completely separate. And in fact, a lot of times we can hang the CPU and the audio will just continue to play because it's, it's self-contained. Here's what's interesting. The main CPU clock, this guy right here, he's running at 21 megahertz. The, this sound uh, APU, the audio processing unit, runs, runs at 24 point something megahertz. And that something is either 24.576 or 24.65 or a lot of different possible answers to that uh, that we have, we have looked at. Um, the reason it's a little bit uns- unsure and unknown is in part because the thing that was said in the specifications doesn't necessarily match reality. Uh, we've also discovered that over the course of 30 years, those components are breaking down. The audio processing unit was originally made with a, uh, a a ceramic oscillator that was good enough at the time, but over the course of the last 25, 30 years has started to degrade to the point that you're Notes actually might not be on pitch anymore. It's so bad. Or in some cases, your console might take more time to complete certain things. It's very, very interesting to see how different consoles degrade in different ways. What we need to do is make these consistent. And one of the things we're doing is... Oops, I'm breaking my board here. I have a debug board here. This is an FPGA. This is an old Altera Cyclone V, Cyclone 5. This board is being used to replace the clock on the audio processing unit, which was what that yellow wire you saw on that first console was. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is experimenting with ways to fix the issues of that, that audio processing unit's clock shifting and drifting out of sync or changing as the console temperature uh, increases or decreases. As the console warms up, you're audio might be playing at a slightly different speed. Mm. Those differences mean that they're non-deterministic results, and we cannot have non-determinism if what we're doing is playing back a sequence of notes. I said earlier that the taskbot is like a player piano, and what I mean by that is if you've ever seen a player piano, just it has keys, that plays all on its own, it usually has a scroll of paper that's advancing through, and it usually has holes or punctuation uh, uh, punctures in the paper that tell the player piano what notes to play as it, as the scroll goes by. And that's really all that Tossbot is doing here. It's nothing more than a predefined sequence of button presses. And it requires that everything be deterministic. In other words, if you get even one frame off, it'll desync. In fact, this run here desynced earlier when I was talking and I had to reset it. Uh, That happened probably because I static electricity shocked the cart at some point. (laughs) Um, If we get off even a single frame, everything's over. We don't, the only visibility we have is when the, con- when the game asks the controller for input. That's all the visibility we have. So from the, from the, pro- from the perspective of how do you get these games, these tool-assisted speedruns that were made in emulators to play back on real hardware, how do you do that without monkeying with the hardware too much? In the case of this console I showed you earlier, this is an unmodified console. The only thing we are doing is we are connecting a wire to boost the signal of a clock to keep the audio processor running at the speed it was set to, it was supposed to be running at when it was originally designed. In other words, we're making the hardware work as it was intended to in the original specification. If you're a software developer being told to go write a game for a Super Nintendo, you were handed a, a description that said, the audio processor works like this and it runs this fast and it does this thing. Except our hardware doesn't anymore. It's twenty-five years old, yeah. <laughs> and it's not behaving that way. What we're doing is restoring it back to what the specs said, with as minimal of a change as we possibly can. This work was done by TPW Rules with help from Ilari. There was some additional assistance by Total Onosaurus. Uh, who else am I missing? Um, he- Heavy Pota. Um, whole large number of people in my team. Uh, not my team, the TaskBot community, I should say, (laughs) that that got this down to a single wire. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This wire just connects to the audio processing unit clock, and we're sending a signal that makes sure it's very, very consistent. That's all we've done. The rest of the hardware is actually unmodified. There's no changes to this, meaning we want the console to work the way it originally worked. And that's opening up new vistas, where we've been unable to do certain games. Or we've done them, but we've done them at extreme sacrifice. We showed Super Metroid being played on a Nintendo a couple of years ago. Uh, last year, I guess. Uh, 2018, probably. It was not necessarily ideal. In order to get it to be consistent, we had to slow it down substantially. It was actually slower than a real-time run in okay. order to have enough slop uh, to successfully get through the segment we needed to. And we don't want to do that. That's not an ideal solution. Yeah. Uh, we did it because that game is so popular and we really wanted to show what we, sh- what we could, but... It was it was a stopgap. It was it was a very unfortunate workaround. We don't want to have to do that. There are other games that we would really like to show. In particular, this is a copy of Donkey Kong Country Two. We have had more time invested in this particular console or this particular game than any other game. Um, To the point that we actually have purchased multiple versions of it. I've I've got. I have a a few different copies of uh, Donkey Kong Country 2 (laughs) Uh, as a result of of working on this game for a very long time. We really want to get to a point where that game syncs reliably Mm -hmm. because we'd like to see a speedrun of it. It's a really good game, and right now we can't because of the inaccuracies of that clock and also the interaction between the main CPU clock and the audio processing unit clock. I know I've dove really deep into the subject. If you're still listening, thank you for sticking with me. Yeah, These things are important because what I'm doing now is preserving how this works today for future generations that will not have working hardware. I know it sounds overly dramatic, but I feel like one of the things that we're able to do is act as digital, pre- digital preservationists. I have a CRT TV. These are not manufactured anymore. Yeah. I'm looking very far out. I'm looking all the way out to what it'll take to get through 200 years. Like how do we preserve this? And the only, real only, the only way to do it is to make video and, and copy it. Um, so I, I feel like it's really important right now to preserve the content we can and build up a legacy of, look, these are what the original designers had to do with primitive tools, and this is how far that could be pushed. This is the extent of what we could do to that game. I think it's a really cool thing.
0: Yeah, I, I f- yeah, I, I just, I just was trying to listen and be amazed by what you're telling. But it's like, man, the complexity goes on and on and on. I then this like I didn't even thought about that. Like the consoles being that old can actually be an issue to make a task work. And yeah, it's like I love that you put in that much work because like we need we definitely need such um dedicated people in our community so thank you for doing that man it's like
1: and it, it is a huge team i've mentioned a number yeah. of names over the last couple of minutes I'm just the organizer and the presenter. Mm-hmm. I don't have the layout experience or the emulation experience of Ilari, for instance, or the board rework experience of Onosaurus or the Moss 3212, who's written a lot of the Python code we use on the, on the replay devices. There are so many people with much better skills than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just the presenter. But uh, it's all of us coming, coming together to preserve this and to also do this for charity. Really yeah. what drives most of us is being able to show something cool that we love which we consider art yeah, it's in front of a live audience. It's definitely art,
0: in my opinion, too. Yeah. Man. I, I don't know what to say else. I'm, I'm kind of speechless at this point, and I think we also like kind of run out of time for the recording, so I think that story kind of ends it perfectly here. Um, so for everybody, go, go check out his Twitch channel. Uh, you, you stream quite regularly, in my opinion, or as far as I know.
1: I would like to stream more regularly. Mm-hmm. I uh, I have Defender Sam and Rintendo, so I have a couple kids that are here on stream every once in a while, and it's kind of hard <laughs> to balance life sometimes. But uh, and in, in part because I'm also doing all of the organization for the different Games Done Quick events that are coming up, and of course everything has been thrown into a uh, a crazy situation. Is as a, we are as as of the date we are recording this particular segment, we are not exactly in a normal time in life. We are in the middle yeah. of lockdown, and where I'm at. Uh, COVID-19 has really upended everything, uh, so I'm working from home trying to <laughs> manage having kids here, and it's it's pretty hard to find time to stream, but um, you know what, we have a huge team of people that are are actively engaged, some have more free time than others, if you want to be part of that, come on over to discord.task.bot, I, our Discord server has 2,500 plus people, and it's one of the comfiest places you can be, people from all walks of life are there. If you'd love to watch a Twitch stream live and watch people manipulate the lights around me and do all kinds of other crazy things like make my music suddenly sound really weird, come on over to twitch.tv slash doangoac. It's almost always a riot. If you get a chance, uh, join the YouTube subscriber list. Uh, the, uh, I'm always putting out new videos of things we've recorded here in this room or we've done at various different events and showing them uh, on YouTube. That's a great place to go if you just want to watch passively. Lots of fun ways to get engaged and be part of the tool-assisted speedrun community. Don't do it for me. Do it because what we're doing is raising money for charity. Over the lifetime of what we've done here, it's grown to the point of, of being way bigger than anything I ever thought it could be. And just this last event at Games Done Quick, Austin Games Done Quick 2020, we helped raise over $186,000 with TaskBot content. So if you want to be a part of that, come join us.
0: Awesome. I will definitely put those links also in the description of the video and of the podcast. So, yeah, thank you for having you. It was awesome to listen to you. I'm really, really impressed what you people do. like, I'm far far more impressed than than I anticipated to be after this episode. So, thank you for having you, and goodbye everybody. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you, Dwango. Bye, everybody. Take care. Yo I hope you really enjoyed this episode, one thing I want to say straight up, he was showing a lot of the tech he was describing in this video on his webcam as well, so if you wanna see what he was actually talking about to understand it better or because it's like awesome tech he was showing you won't see anywhere else, then make sure to check out the YouTube video. Uh, the YouTube video should actually be linked in the description of this episode, but also my YouTube channel is linked on the overall podcast description. Just just do a little search and you will definitely find it. So, yeah. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was really cool to get a lot of knowledge about tasses. Like, I was completely, completely overwhelmed afterwards and was like, hey, TASing is actually, like, really cool and a lot deeper than I thought. So hope you had the same feeling and see you next week with a Kaizo Mario episode.